Good evening, job seekers, and welcome to episode 36 of the Line of Vienna Suite podcast. Um, firstly, let me please apologise for the distinct lack of ambient music tonight. Um, TechWiz Dan has singularly failed to upload so much pornography to his new <laughs> laptop that he's broken it. Um, and we have no music. So, Liam, um, I, I hear you've got some beatboxing skills. Are you prepared to unleash them on the world, or would you like me to go with something slightly bit different? I think we're better off going for something different, and I'll tell you why. It's because I'm part of the Bolton Apocel... 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 That I go to so often I can pronounce it, but... I'm part of that, and they've asked me to rest my my voice. Fair dues, fair dues. Well, in that case, I'm gonna I'm gonna step up. Um, if you want to join in, ready? In West Philadelphia, born, raised in the playground is where I spent most of my days, chilling out, maxing, relaxing, I'm cool, I'm shooting some b-ball out to the other school. Well, a couple of guys, they were up to no good, started making trouble in my neighbourhood. Got in one little fight and my mum got scared. She said, you moving with your auntie and Uncle Belair? I said, I'm looking for the cab. And when he came near, the license plate said fresh. He had dice in the mirror. If anything, I could say, well, this cab was rare. But I thought, nah, forget it. Your home's the Belair. I pulled up to the house about seven or eight. And I yelled to the cab, your home, smell you later. I looked in my kingdom. I was finally there. Sitting in my throne as the Prince of Belair. Yeah, no one else is joining, are they? No. Well, Chris, <laughs> I've got two things to say. Number one, I'm glad we can edit. <laughs> and number two, I thought that the Jade Assembly was the worst thing I'd ever heard. But... Oh, there you go, there you go. Jade Assembly or the, the Fresh Prince of Bella. I couldn't either, all the way to the end. Well, you're welcome to the Line of Street podcast. What an awkward start to the evening's entertainment. But we're here, we're here, we're here nonetheless. So tonight, I'm Chris, I'm joined by Rob, I'm joined by Liam... And I'm joined by new boy Johnny. It's an interesting evening tonight, boys. We've all been supping for quite a long time. There's not a lot actually going on in the world of Bolton Wanderers. It's been a very quiet week. Or has it? Rob, there's a takeover afoot. Have you heard about this rumour? Have you heard about a little website called Line of Vienna Suite that might have broken the news before anybody else in the whole wide world? I did hear about the world exclusive, yeah. It was a world exclusive, wasn't it? I mean, it sounded like absolute utter bullshit. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Dean, Dean Oldsworth, behind the scenes, he's, he's pulling the strings. He's a little blowfeld. But it appears that Dean Oldsworth is the figurehead of some sort of weird consortium to take over Bolton Wanderers. What do you think about that? I don't know. It sounds, it sounds very weird, doesn't it? I think it's when I first... mental. It's mental. <laughs> it's mental. What does Dean Oldsworth know about business? And you can't even finish a goal from two yards out in a cup final, in a cup time final. So. Well, he knows like, a lot about Brook. Uh, Give him that. Yeah. And I looked into that company and it's got like John Scales as a part of it as well. Um, <laughs> they hired like shady footballers to run a dodgy <laughs> business. So God knows what's actually going to come of it. But Does it matter who they are? Does it matter who they are at all? No. I think as long as they understand business, that's the main thing, isn't it? Um, Absolutely. And they, they care about Bolton, then all the more, all the better, really. Especially, I mean, Dino, if Dino's coming from a, having played for Bolton, if he actually cares about the club, then that's the main thing for me. Definitely. Johnny, welcome to the podcast. It's uh, It's been your first couple of weeks along on the line of the suite uh, staff. Yeah. As far as things go, um, uh, how have you found it? And, and you've, you've welcomed, you've joined us at a very, very, 
well, the busy time. I mean, you know, have you found this last couple of weeks? It's all very revolutionary, isn't it? It is, yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, You're welcome, mate. Just keep it up, yeah. Yeah, just I don't know. It's it's all a bit strange, really. I can't I, I can't imagine um, anybody ever predicting something like this happening. So yeah, this time in my lifetime, twenty five years out of watching Wonders, we're having a bit of a takeover talk. Yeah, I just I don't know. It all seems a bit suspect at the moment, and um, nothing nothing really coming out of the club. So I don't know. I'm a bit sceptical still. Aren't we at all? Um, I mean, uh, the details that we know, obviously, uh, as far as line of, line of the end is concerned, we've had a few tips here and there over the past few months about the takeover, and we've we've ignored them because it's been unsubstantiated, and we're not really the Alan Nixon type of website where we either uh, give happy birthdays to people or we, we repeat <laughs> wild wild speculation. But the fact that we had these these um, these tips confirmed by three people in total it made us think twice about it. And so between myself, Dan and Liam, back end of this week, we decided to go ahead with it. And, and thankfully we did because we, we turned out to, to scoop everybody in the whole wide world with our bit of news there. So thank you all uh, for your, your, your patronage of the website. It's been really, really good. We've been breaking records left, right and centre with a number of people visiting the site. Um, but Johnny, to, to stick with yourself, um, the details that we know are, are pretty ske- uh, pretty vague at this point. I mean, it's Dean Holdsworth-led. Um, we're not really sure about who the money man is, where the finance is, whether it's a full-on takeover or it's just a bit of an investment. Now, the evening news have indicated that it is a full-on takeover. Um, I can't imagine many people, Johnny, are going to shed a tear for Phil Gartside um, if it means the club moving forward. Do you think that he's got a bit of um, a reason to hang around or do you think that he needs to move on himself in order to allow the club to move on? I think, yeah, I think he's got to go. If if someone else comes in, I think it's it's time for... For him to start afresh, really, and I can't see many fans being too sort of sentimental over his, over him staying. Really, I just, I just don't see why he would bother. It's a bit like he's, he's sort of clinging on to something that's that's ended. Um, I know ever since Allardyce left, there's there's a lot of fans that blame him for things that have gone wrong at the club and managers have appointed and things haven't gone right. And yeah, he's made he's made quite a few mistakes, but I don't think it's all down to him. But it's, it's definitely if. If this does happen, we do get taken over. This consortium comes in. I think it's time for him to uh, clear his desk and, and never look back, really, and stick to maybe being a Bolton fan, if he still is one. <laughs> well, the days that, he, that since he closed down his Twitter account, I know Liam's regretted every single one, but Liam, whilst you're there, <laughs> um, do you think Gartsa has got a leg to stand on in terms of hanging on for any sort of new regime, or do you think he's too too wedded to the previous failures of, of the past groups with the Warburtons and so on, that there's no future for him at the club? Um, I'd be very surprised if someone who came in would continue with him, and not necessarily for any other reason than the whole idea seems to be to to move forward and to move in a completely new direction. And I can't see. Yeah, it's change, isn't it? It's change is good. Well, exactly. Yeah, and I'm not necessarily going to get too much involved in terms of, of you know what's gone on before, but in terms of moving forward, you'd be very surprised if they were going to keep such figureheads. I would be very surprised if quite a few maybe even in the board or even staff in general maintain because it looks like all about a completely new era. That seems to be the theme. Definitely. And, uh, and to come to you, Rob, next, the new broom. I think it's it's come to the point, isn't it, where we've plateaued on the field and off. And, and so, therefore, to have a total regeneration from start to finish, both on and off the pitch, is, is necessary. Um, as far as you're, you're seeing it from a fan's point of view, uh, how do you hope it can progress going forward? Because obviously Dino is 
he's obviously the figurehead. Nobody's proposing that he's the, the money man behind the scenes. Um, do you think that a Dean Holdruff-led Bolton Wanderers could have a, revel- uh, a very, very different approach to a Phil Gartside-led Bolton Wanderers? Or do you think it's mainly about giving the manager, whoever that may be, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes' time, about giving the manager funds to achieve what he wants to achieve? I mean, as far as Len- Neil Lennon goes, do you think that with a bit of extra money, he could make a lot more of this club that he has at present? I think he could, yeah. I mean... We talked to Mark Isles earlier this year, and he was talking about the championship not really being about money. Um, but I think we're starting to see now that that's not really the case. Um, no, of course it's about money. It's about it's money all, about all money, the way. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you look at teams like um, like Derby, Middlesbrough, they're all spending massive money um, just to try and get out of the division. So if we don't have any money, there's no absolutely no way we can compete. So I think it's all about whether there's money available, um, if they're bringing money in. Um, which we don't know yet, but if they are, they if they are going to come in, they have to give us money to spend. I think Lennon will do a good job with money. I think, given the right players, he'd, he'd make a good job of it. He's, but at the moment, he's got crap players, no money to, to to reinvest it. So, yeah, I think given the money, he'd be the best man for the job, personally. Well, that that's part of the speculation, isn't it? The fact that we maybe maybe necessarily bring in a new manager. Um, again, we'll come to that later on. And there's a hell of a lot to talk about tonight, so I'm going to try and flip it through the lads as best we can. Um, but Liam, um, in terms of, of your perspective on this one, I mean, I know you were you were party to the the gossip a little bit before everybody else because you, myself, and Dan discussed this for the best part of uh, of half a day before we decided to run with the, the the gossip. But what made you think that this was maybe worth a little bit more than your average little bit of average, uh, you know, bar time talk? We had, the, we had the tips through, didn't we, previously, but we decided not to run with it. But then we obviously had the, the third or fourth person verify it. Did it make you feel a little bit more positive about the future, the fact that people are saying the same thing? I mean, I know we do get a lot of, uh, of jabber from fans, but this time it was a little bit more worthy of, of some sort of analysis, wasn't it, do you think? Yeah, and I think anyone who reads that side can be fully sort of take comfort from the fact that we don't just... Or anything, you know, we discussed everything at quite some length. For me personally, I had some reservations about what we were putting, but we discussed it. As you a got outvoted, didn't you? You got outvoted actually to post it. Exactly. So this is this is a good thing. It's exactly why you know that they can understand that there is some reliability. Now I know from from the art set, the person who came with us originally had given us in the past some very good information. So I had absolutely no reservations in terms of going with that. Uh, later on down the line, I felt that maybe it was a little bit outlandish. <laughs> to be to be honest, um, I think you and Dan voted me down, and as a as a website, we decided to go ahead. And you know, I'm very glad in the end that you uh, <laughs> that you outvoted me because it looks like, to some degree, we we had a level of accuracy. Definitely, and it's been un- it's been unprecedented the amount of sort of media retention and so on that we've. We've received. I mean, I've been on radio, um, radio Manchester, Tower FM, blah blah blah. It's been it's been really interesting. But Johnny, as far as a new lad goes, um, it's interesting to think that that Bolton Wanderers could be that important to people. And, and I, it's been something that's never ever happened in my lifetime. The last twenty five years or so, watching Bolton, that we've had a takeover attempt. Um, we don't really know a great lot about the company behind it and where the money's come from, from blah blah blah. Um, but you know, if I had asked you last week that Dean Oldruff would maybe be taking over Bolton Wanderers, 
you would have dismissed it straight away, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd say, don't be fucking stupid, Chris. <laughs> it's mental. Uh, it's mental. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just a bit random. Um, it's just kind of like, why him? Why would he come back out of all yeah, people? Exactly. I would never, never have bet in a million years that it would have been him. And then there's talk of it's Sam Allardyce involved as well in some way. Allegedly, so yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll talk. In fact, I'll tell you what then, just to give you a bit more information, the, the fact that we received two separate pieces of information that we're, taken over, we're being taken over by a consortium with Dean Holdsworth as the, 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 the sort of figurehead, the front piece. And the second bit was the fact that Allardyce was involved, Phil Brown was involved, um, prospectively as manager, with Allardyce involved in Sunderland, obviously he's managing them for the time being, the fact that when he leaves, retires, quits, sacks, whatever, he's going to become a, um, a director at Wanderers with his investment, with Brownie as the manager. Um, I, I don't suppose, Johnny, you remember Brownie as the manager back when, before Allardyce took over, do you? Just about, yeah. Just about. So, Two or I three mean, games in charge. I, I just I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think it'd be bad. It's it's kind of good for the club. But then you you look at it like when a legend goes back to a club and he's not got the greatest mm. managerial experience. True. Like True. Alan Shearer, Alan Shearer goes Coyle. back to Newcastle. Owen Coyle comes back to Bolton and right royally fucks it up. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It's a bit it's a bit kind of I'm a bit touch and go with it really. It'd be like I say, get the fans in the ground again. Maybe they'd, they'd want to come and watch the games. But would would we do well on the pitch? I, I don't know. Well, there's a few lads I know who have said that if it was this takeover was linked with X X Wanderers, that it would provide that sort of boost that would bring them back to the ground. I mean, it was mainly prefaced with a lot of anti-Gartside rhetoric and swear words and so on. But Rob, as far as you're concerned, um, the gossip was that Lenny would be out and the new consortium would want their own man in charge, their own man being Phil Brown. Um, he's an experienced lower league manager. He's got teams out of the championship before. Obviously, he's a bit weird. He's a bit of a character. But, Rob, as far as you're concerned, um, if it came down to a straight choice between uh, Lennon and Brown, where would you stand? It's really tough. Um, I like Lennon. I think he's... It's hard to say he's doing a good job because we're bottom of the league, but... Um... I think... Second bottom. Second yeah, bottom. Near the bottom. Right. Yeah. Second bottom. Um, but he's got a really tough job in his hands I think if we did have investment I think he'd be alright but I think people are starting to get fed up with him um, so I think given the choice of Brian and Lennon I'd probably personally stick with Lennon but I see why people would want Brian to come in but at the end of the day he's not really pulling up any trees with the South End in League 2 is he so I'd, I'd well, be very dubious better, about better, whether he'd come in. Better, better win ratio, better yeah. um, prospects in the playoffs. He's got a better yeah. track record in this league. He's got a better track record in terms of getting plays in and moving them on. It's a very, it's a very open discussion. Mm. Um, and I'm going to bring in Liam last. I'm going to come to Johnny next. But Johnny, as far as you're concerned, Brown or Lennon, make an argument for each. Which would you rather go with? Um, oh, so it's, a, it's a tough one. I think. Lennon, he's obviously done done good things at Celtic, but then is is the SPL the quality of football? Is it anything different to the Premier League uh, to the Championship? Sorry, um, I mean you've got two good teams. Well, yeah, arguably two good teams in there, but then everybody else is kind of bang average. And at the time Lennon was managing Celtic, Rangers were there for a little bit, and then obviously what happened there, and they got relegated. So it's it's tough. And then Phil Brown, like you just said there, he's not really setting the world alight at South End. Um, I think did they get into the playoffs last season? Mm, they did. Um, 
So, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it'd be a nice boost for the club, but I do, I do feel for Lennon if he got sacked and Brown came in because it's, um, it's not really any of his doing, although he did know what he was signing up for. So I, yeah. think, I think I'd quite like to see Phil Brown come in and see a bit of an uplift in the club, but that doesn't mean I sort of, I'd say goodbye to Neil Lennon with a heavy heart. So I, I'm, I'm team Phil Brown, I'd say. <laughs> Fair enough. We, we, I, don't, I really don't think we've seen the best of Lennon, personally, and I'm going to hand it over to Liam because obviously he's the, the resident quasi-Irishman Celtic fan-like. But Lennon, uh, Lennon, Lennon, that's not your name, is it? Liam, um, Lennon or Brown? I feel like I'm wasting my time asking you, but make your case. Well, there'd be two very different situations, wouldn't there? You know, let, let's say that this takeover did happen and then Brown did come in. You, you, you're still talking to completely different situations. We're, we're talking about it being almost a new club with the same name, really. So, you know, I think either of them in that new era would be successful. I do like Phil Brown, and I think, you know, I, I think he's done okay. So, if anything, he's been unlucky, but that's the nature of the playoffs and. You know, at that sort of level, someone's always going to have the money to bankroll and get promoted and everyone else sort of falls in line. So, you know, he's done an all right job and obviously he's very, you know, he cares deeply about Bottom Wanderers and it's always good to have someone like that in and around the club. So I would never say that I'd have an issue with Phil Byrne being our manager, but I think if he was good enough, he'd have had it by now on merit rather than just being handed it to him by someone who likes him. Well, that's so, the thing, isn't it? We're talking about Brownie coming in and being parachuted in because he's mates with the right people. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's the, the right fella. I mean, it is, I, I researched it earlier on, relatively, the fact that he had a better win percentage in the championship than Lennon did. But obviously he was with Hull at the time, so maybe a better team, a bit more money, slightly different uh, managerial landscape, Liam. But, you know, Brownie, people will... Point to the fact that he knows the club, he knows the division. Lennon perhaps didn't. He came in a bit blind. Do you think there's any any argument for having Brown to be replacing Lennon on that basis, or do you think that's just pie in the sky daftness? I think the argument for it is that it continues the trend of new start. I think personally, we've had a lot of new starts lately, mate. Well, that's it. I don't see any any benefit of getting rid of Neil Lennon for Phil Brown. And I think any other club would stand at the sides and think, what are they doing? We have got a fantastic manager. I, I mean, I don't... I understand our current league position, but you've really got to look at the output and what's been coming in. You've got to look at the job that Neil Lennon's done. He has made us hard to score against, to a degree. Now, if we had a striker, where would we be? And I know, and I know that he did sign Gary Medine, but do we honestly think that he's happened... <laughs> And sat there and said to everyone, you know what? I know exactly who we need, boys. We'll get Gary Medina in. There is no way. <laughs> the guy's had his hands tied behind his back. He, if he had a... We've kept five clean sheets and drawn all them games nil-nil. There has been a lot of progress, yet we seem worse off this year. I am not concerned about Bolton Wanderers in terms of their league position because I think we're doing okay. We just need a striker. Obviously, if there was investment, the situation would change. And I think Neil Lennon would take us to a very successful place. Well, that's quite emotional now you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, um, Lennon is obviously he's quite a good name, isn't he? He's quite a, a famous manager for Bolton Wanderers. He's no, he's no Gary Megson. 
Do, do you no. have confidence? Do you have confidence that the SPL success can be translated down to the to, to the British British game, or do you think that we're uh, you know we backed another dud in the fact that Coyle had a, a relatively average pedigree, um, and Lennon has done, had some success in in Scotland. Do you think that success in Scotland can be translated down to success in England? I can't think of the last manager that really managed it beyond Fergie twenty five years ago. No, I mean. And I can't think of anybody, to be honest, other than, like you say, other than Fergie. But you've got to think what he achieved at Celtic. He, it wasn't just like Owen Coyle when he, when he came from Burnley to us. That what they achieved in comparison to one another is different. Like Lennon, obviously, he was manager of uh, Celtic when they, when they beat Barcelona 1-0 and had about 2% possession <laughs> for the whole game. And he's done, he's done good things as a manager. And he's a very, very good manager just because of the way... The way he was a player, and he, he you yeah. can see when he's on the touchline, he's obviously he's had bands and fines, and he loves kicking a good water bottle. So uh, it's the passion which is good, and I think that's what will help. And I do agree with Liam in a way that any investment would completely sort of turn the tables for us. Um, an extra ten million quid for Lennon in summer, summer just gone would have been incredible. Uh, I think well, we've, we've seen how Lennon gets on with investment previously, with likes of Victor Wanyama, Gary Hooper, blah, blah, blah. You know, he, I, I think he's proven that he can find a bargain. And I think that other than the loans and the free transfers, if you had a few quid to spend, I'd be really confident that he could spend it well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we had uh, even, we've, we've had some good managers in the past who've been able to, to pick out those bargains. Obviously, the big Sam was renowned for doing it. And when you look at like Gary Megson signings, he signed some cracking players for us in the past. Mm. Um, and it, it, if you if you can get a manager that can sort of pick out those bargains with on a still on a bit of a shoestring budget, and then especially in this this league, that's all it takes. Because you, you look at like Bournemouth, they've gone up last year, and name me name me someone in their team that you think fucking hell, he's he's a quality player. Like we've had QPR, no like. QPR have done it in the past, but they've had multi-multi-million pounds. But a team like Bournemouth have sort of been biding the time at this level. They've found a, a good system, players like Callum Wilson and um, Jan Camargan, who was firing him in last year. And, and then they go up, and but they, they, I know Bournemouth have got a little bit of foreign investment, and that's that's what we need, really. Just that, that extra five, ten million quid sets you apart from the rest in this league. Most definitely, it really does. I mean, those that are at the top at this minute in time are those that have had the extra few quid to spend. I know we maybe got relegated at the wrong time because it's it's really hampered our ability to rebuild and regenerate. But that, that that's what it is. Um, I think Johnny, yourself, and Liam are both right in what you're saying that we've got a manager with a, a track record. And look at our rivals in the division. Who are they choosing? They're choosing Neil Redfern, Steve Evans. You know, this is the talent pool that we'd be picking from had we not gone for Lennon. And so, as much as we were struggling at this minute in time, I think the struggles could be a hell of a lot worse. Uh, Rob, uh, to sort of divert a little bit back towards the agenda, if I can just find it a little bit in between looking at Paul Lambert joining Blackburn. Um, things need to be turned around, don't they, for Wanderers? And I know that we would... Do you think it would necessarily um, include that much money? to make us a competitive force at the top end of the, of the championship. I know those that are at the top now, the Fulhams, the um, the Hulls, etc., the Reading, they've had a few quid behind them. I don't think it would take that much, would it, to make Wanderers a competitive force? I mean, out of the team that we've got at this minute in time, can you 
pinpoint perhaps half a dozen reasonable players that maybe if they were supplemented by another four or five squad members that were decent would push us towards the top end of the league. Oh, yeah. are, are we fucked? Are we completely fucked? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think we're. I don't think we're that bad off actually. I think. Like Liam said, if we had a striker, we'd be doing okay. I mean, you look at the chances that Alfie, Medine... yeah, Alfie, for example. Yeah, I mean, you look at the chances that Medine's missed. So there's two headers against Derby, um, two chances last weekend, um, missed a penalty, missed a penalty last weekend as well. So you're looking at like if you put those chances away, you're looking at like another ten, twelve points, and we're halfway at the table then. So that's all we're lacking, really. I think we're creating chances. We've got players like Wellington and Zach Clough who can create chances. Mark Davis should be creating chances for the players. Um, Liam Feeney now and again knocks a decent cross in. Um, I think defensively, like Liam said as well, we we are pretty solid. And we've kept several clean sheets this year. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too concerned if we had a striker, to be honest. I think we're fairly well positioned. I would agree with you. I think we are missing that X factor, I guess. I mean, mm. Wellington was perhaps that, that man that could provide that unquantifiable uh, element that we're missing. But then again, he's gone now, and so we need to find somebody else. But mm. I think we've all reached a, con- a consensus in that we think that we, we're not that bad off, generally. Um, we could always do more investment, obviously, because wages are wages, I and mean, that's what that's what drives uh, loans and so on in this division. But fingers crossed we can take that further forward. Now, one final thing before we knock off for the break on this first segment. We don't really know a lot about the company behind Holdsworth, um, obviously there's been some speculation about identities, there's been some speculation about the amount of money they've got, a full takeover or investment. Now, the words that we receive, the information that we receive is that it is a full-on takeover. Um, I've had so, It's hard. I mean, I've had some decent dealings with the Garza family in the past. They've been good to me. I, I, I don't want to have any kind of loyalty, really, because my loyalty is to Bolton Wanderers, not to the family. But, Liam, I'll come to you first on this one. Do you think that we could really subside any sort of loyalty towards the Gats? I found with what they've done, or the Warburtons even. Do you think we need to look after number one and, and look after Wanderers first and then, and then work out what happens to them afterwards? Well, I think that's true of everybody. Not necessarily mm. the Gats sides or the Warburtons family or, or anybody ever associated with a club. The club should always come first and whatsoever, mm. whatever's healthier for the club. Absolutely. Should be forward, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think we kept Yaskalanen for a, a year, two years longer than than we ought to have done. Uh, of some yeah, we're a sentimental bunch, aren't we? Well, this is it, but it does you no good. You know, no, you don't. The, the club owes nothing to anybody. It's it's it, it's what matters most, and it should always come first. So, it doesn't necessarily mean that I wish any sort of ill on on anybody or. Oh no, we're not we're not going down that route. We don't want anyone to suffer. Well, exactly, but no matter what happens, the whatever is best for the club is is the best option. Correct, Rob. Any more to add to that? Um, not really. I think the club needs um, like a optimism boost. I think that's what we need. Exactly, think, we're plateaued. Haven't yeah, we? yeah. I think there's so much negativity around the club, and if you look at Twitter, for example, it's just people whinging and. Oh, I think fuck, isn't it? I checked it a few times today, and every time you open it, it's like, oh no, no update on the takeover. And it's like, well, it's a Sunday for one, and two, it's not gonna. <laughs> Everyone's off work. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's off work, mate. Everyone's chill. getting drunk. So, I mean, it's not gonna happen overnight, <laughs> is it? It's like chill. a really, it's a really complex thing taking over a football club. It's absolutely massive. So, people need to be a bit patient and 
yeah, I mean, I think everyone needs to get together and just think about the club and yeah, let's get a bit more positivity about Bolton. That's what we need. Exactly. And on that note, uh, Johnny, as a new fella, to, to knock this segment on the head, just just give us your brain farts, mate. We just don't care. Just whatever you want to do. <sighs> I, I completely agree with what, what the other two lads have just said there. It's, it's just it's a bit boring. It's coming to a point now where it's just whinging all the time. Oh, it's Gartside's fault. Get Gartside out of the club. He's poisoned the club. He doesn't care. Well, of course he fucking cares. Would he still be here if he didn't care? <laughs> Would he have sat through all this shit for the past 10 years? Or, well, yeah, nearly 10 years since Sam Allardyce left and, and sort of seen a club that was once sort of going going for the uh, the top four of the Premier League and fall down to the bottom of the Championship. Of course he's bothered. He probably has sleepless nights over it. And yeah, he's he's made some bad mistakes. And yeah, there's... There's all sorts in, in various people's books about what he said, but I don't think he's a bad bloke. He, I mean, people people act like if they saw him in the street, they'd run over and punch him in the face. Mm. He's, he's done more for our club than any any single ball mm. one fan could do, really. It's just it's, it's infuriating, social media. It's dead, you're dead right. I mean, he's damned if he does, and he's damned if he doesn't at this minute in time. I mean, a lot of people are coming out and saying... Well, why is the guy, why is the chairman not saying anything? Why is he why is he not speaking out? You know, he's doing this and he's doing that. You know full well that if he did speak out, people would have an issue with whatever he said anyway. So he's damned if he does and he's damned if he doesn't. It's an hard world being the Bolton chairman at this minute in time and I think maybe sitting there being silent is perhaps the best action. I mean it might be the one that we both we all agree with, but politically it's perhaps the best one. Um, okay, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll knock it on the head for that minute, this minute in time in terms of segment number one. We'll have a short break, because uh, I need a wee, and then we'll go straight to segment two where we'll talk about Reading away, which is coming up this coming Saturday. So everyone stay where you are. We'll be back after this short break. Cheers. Okay, boys and girls, welcome back to Love Pod 36. That's right, for 36 weeks we've been talking about utter shit regarding Bolton Wanderers. Um, you keep listening, so we'll keep talking. Uh, even if you weren't listening, we would keep talking. Right, so we're on, well, we're in the midst of an international break at this minute in time. A long and all, I mean, thankfully, it's the last one until about March, I think I read earlier on. So that means we're a fortnight between Wanderers games. We've got the, the previous um, thoroughly exciting another piece of it against Bristol City and Reading on the 21st. So tonight we record this on 15th, uh, Sunday the 15th, late on. But we've got, what, six days now till the, the next away game. Uh, Reading are in good form, managed by potential Bolton Wanderers appointee Steve Clark. Obviously, we chose to go down the Lenny route. Um, Rob, come to you first as the, the local correspondent, given the fact that you're south of Birmingham, so therefore you're the local correspondent. <laughs> we haven't scored in three matches away from home. We have, if we don't score in the next two, that would equal a club record. Are you concerned, Rob, about our away form? Yes. As am I. <laughs> um, elaborate, elaborate at length, please. Um, I can't remember the last time we went away. Was it Cardiff last year in March? Fuck knows. Long time. 3-0 at Cardiff. <laughs> but it's been far too long. Um, I thought we were going to beat QPR. We went 2-0 up and then we imploded. <laughs> but, you silly boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm very concerned about the away form. Um, I can't see us. I can't see us beating Reading. They're doing pretty well. Um, yeah, I mean, Reading haven't won in five games. Looking at the league, they haven't won in five matches. Um, so maybe there's no, a chance. They, yeah, they haven't done. But they, I mean, they're still eighth. 
and yeah. four points off the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, a decent um, side this year. They got a Blackman guy up front, haven't they? Um, he scored. What, he's the top scorer in the league, I think, this year. Um, that's right. Um, well, no, no, he, he's a, a, a one goal behind Gray from Burnley. Oh, is he? Okay. Well, he's he's come of age this year, hasn't he? He's not done anything for really this season, but um. Yeah, the away form's a massive concern. I don't know really what he's going to do about it. But I think the positive is that we've had two clean sheets in a row. So that's something to build on. But then we also haven't scored two games, um, three games even. So, yeah, he has to do something about that and pretty quick. But mm, I'm not really sure how he can mix things up, to be honest. Me neither, Johnny. Um, Reading away is a game that we've, we've, we've conceded quite a lot of goals in the previous <laughs> history. Um, would you take a boring nil apiece or do you think we could maybe look for a little bit more uh, I'd take a point 100% no matter what it takes whether it's nil nil five all whatever I don't care just as long as it's a point um, I think that's yeah. that's the best we can hope for away from home I went to I went to Ipswich um, a couple of weeks ago and that was an absolutely dire game they were they were good in the first 15 minutes and then they, they just I, I don't know they, Ipswich they scored a good goal they got us on the counter and then we just capitulated and they looked like they can't be arsed and they, they, they're just so weak. They've got no backbone um, away from home. It's, it's like as soon as they get on that coach to travel somewhere, they, they're just a bit scared. It's like leaving home. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, anywhere away from home at the moment, Chris, I'll, I'll take a point, no matter what score it is, what, how we get there, but I'll, I'll take, I'll take as, uh, as little as possible. Liam, you're the resident near Leninite. I mean, do you think we could maybe stand another away defeat? His away record since Johnny Wanderers is pretty pathetic. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> there's no, there's no moving away from that. You know, it's, it's there in black and white. You can't argue with with where the record is. And our record at Reading isn't particularly good. You know, particularly in recent years. No matter what official BWFC on Twitter tries to do every year with them, which is a bit weird, but um, <laughs> I, can't us, I, I can't see this changing, to be honest. We, we just can't score, can we? I'd be very surprised if we can score past quite an impressive red inside this year, so, you know, I'd probably take a narrow defeat, <laughs> really. <laughs> As would I. I mean, from, from one, one shit fan to the other, I mean, what are your plans for Saturday, Liam? Um, work. Are you gonna fo- are you gonna follow the game or are you just gonna just do anything but? Oh no, I'll certainly I'll certainly be following the game. You know, it's um, it's one of them, isn't it? But I'm, I'm, you know, I've not tried swapping my shift on Saturday. Let's put it that way. No, you are. I mean, it's been a long time since I last went to an away game. Johnny, um, the new boy to the pod. Um, what what would you change for Redding away? I mean, would you take a Football Manager 2016 approach and? And go four two four with all out attack with the fluid formation, or would you rather keep things tight and see what you can arrange? I would. I would keep things tight. I think um, we we haven't got the players to attack at home, let alone uh, away from home. I think anywhere. We just yeah, anywhere in the world of football, we just need to keep it simple. I mean, we look at the formation we played in the last game against um, Bristol City at home. And from what I can remember, we got Mark Davis out of position, who's one of arguably the most creative player in our team. Out of uh, position every single week. He's just, and then you, you playing. You got your wide men, who you got Darren Bratley playing on the left hand side of a diamond. Well, I, I don't know what's happened there. Like if if Neil Lennon does his team when he's a bit pissed, or <laughs> Darren, Bratley, Darren, 
Darren Prattley's just a bit lost. I don't know, but you just can't. You're playing somebody in a wide area who's got about as much pace as a double-decker bus in reverse. <laughs> I don't understand it. I just think we need to stick to simple basics. We play four-four-two, and we just keep it tight. Because, to be honest with you, they've not been too bad at the back. Since Wheater's come back in, he's been outstanding. Um, and I know Prince and Derek take it in turns to get sent off, but when either one of them can, can get a run in the team, they, they look all right. Um, it's just going forward. So I, I think I'd rather keep it tight and even play for a nil-nil. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, we've got to play to our strengths, and our strengths are our own form, aren't they, at this minute in time? Um, we're shy... We're shy away from home. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Um, Rob, I'll come to you next. Um, I mean, I'll ask you what you would change. I mean, I don't really know if you would really have any advancements on keep it more solid. But if you would like to finish it with a, a score prediction, we'll come through the boys after that and then sure. we'll knock this on the head. I'd like to see Max Clayton moved up front. Oh, well, starting for a starter. But um, moved up front, maybe playing off Medine. Um I think he's going to be more effective up front. And if we're going to play that weird diamond, then I'd like to see him up front rather than Medine and Amiobi up front, which makes me want to kill myself, to be honest. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd like rather to... see your mum up front than Medine, mate. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think Clayton's got to play for me. If Clough and Silver are both out injured, you've got to have Clough playing. He just gives you something different up front. So, um, score prediction, I'm going to go. I'm going to be positive and say one all. Not win. Liam? We're not going to win. No chance. Absolutely no <laughs> chance. Um, I reckon 3 0 Reading. This is a write off, this one. Um, it is. I, think isn't it? I, I agree. The international break will only hinder us because it allows other teams to plan more than us. So it, it will. Yeah, this is a write off. Hang on. Hang on. You're saying other teams plan. More than us. Are you knocking Lennon for that? No, no. Because we're going to get. Are we going to plan or are we not going to plan? Because there's only so many plans we can have with the squad that we've got. So (laughs) (laughs) twat the fuck as fast as you can. What's our plan? Do we play Amiobi with Heskett or Medine? You know, (laughs) it's a we're 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 like a dying like a dying gazelle that a pack of hungry wolves is after and they can sense our they can sense our weakness because we've had time oh, to get in the international break we're so what, fucked what a, fant- <laughs> what a fantastic metaphor for a Sunday evening <laughs> <laughs> you know I went out for a mixed grill before and it had more movement about it than fucking Medina and Heskey <laughs> Johnny new boy score prediction Um. I'm, I'm in the, yeah, 15-2. No, I'm in the same boat as uh, I'm in the same boat as Liam. I think I'm I'm gonna go four one four one Reading. This this is a game that they've got to fancy if they want to. Like Rob said before, if they they've not won in in five games, this is a game that they'll look at at home against us and think we should be absolutely writing these boys off. So yeah, four one four one. Same as us against Bristol City last weekend. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. I'll say Bolton Wanderers nil, uh, Reading four. Um, I don't want to bring about the end of the Lennon regime because the Lennon regime was a dream, but it is what it is. So, yeah, uh, a crushing away defeat. I don't see anything different, personally. Um, Right, lads, we've been recording this for 44 minutes, getting on for 45 minutes. Let's have a short break. 
We'll come back and we'll talk about the week in Bolton news, including the fact that we may be sending somebody that Wolves don't want, so stay where you are. We'll be back momentarily. Right, kids, welcome back to Line Event Suite podcast. It's 10 to 10 on a Sunday night. We really should be getting ready for work, but we're not we're talking about Bolton Wonders and drinking Fosters on a Sunday evening. Right, segment three, other news. Um, the signing of Rajiv Van Lapara from Wolves, it's been muted for a few days uh, now. Not confirmed, but uh, supposedly done and dusted. Mark Alza tweeted it, so that's good enough for me. He's a winger from Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, he's only made seven appearances this season, so he's not especially a, a first-teamer. Obviously, join us to try and get a bit of experience. He's only a young kid and all. Um, Liam, I'll come back to you. I mean, you spoke at length about our need for change previously, but Van La Parra, are wingers what we need? Are strikers what we need? What do you think? Well, from what I understand, he has played up front before, and I think it's simply a case of someone who's available to us who may well help us. I think while Wellington's injured, I think that's more the thinking with this one. It's a short-term measure to cover for what we're missing in terms of a difference. Now, obviously, I'm always sceptical when we're picking up players in the same league as us that they don't want because we might end up with another Liam Feeney, for example. So, I don't necessarily think that it's anything to get excited about, but it seems that it's something that can replace Wellington for the short term. Agreed. Uh, Johnny, where do you stand on the signing? Uh, again, in a in similar sort of boat, really. I, I think we're just lacking an outlet. Um, Feeney is who you look at when I was talking about the the diamond of Darren Prattley on the left in, in segment two. Um, if you've got, you've got Feeney on the right, for example, and Medine and Amiobi up front, for argument's sake, you, you need somebody on the left or to put Feeney on the left-hand side. Do, do you know what I mean? We've only really got that one pacey player now. We've got um, Wellington out injured and Max Clayton can't seem to start a game. No one knows why. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it can only really be positive. Anybody coming into the club, we can only really look at it and say, well, at least they're trying. I'd rather them sign someone than no one. Yeah, for, for real, I mean... Clough was on the uh, the Wanderers website today saying that he's still about six weeks off being being fit again. We got to do something, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, if he if he'll be able to stay fit because it's uh, he's done he's done a similar sort of thing now a few times, hasn't he? Clough, he's he's struggling with injuries. Mm. So is so is Clayton, and we all know what happens when when they get him so young and if it, if it carries on he's, he's just going to be a shadow of the player that he was last season and it, you can even this season when he came back he, he didn't score in the, the early part of the season and he scored a penalty against I can't remember who it was um, Wolves I think it was was it Wolves yeah so he scored the penalty at home and then but still until he scored that goal he looked a shadow of the player that he was when he, when he first broke through last season Liam do you think that we're putting all our eggs in one basket with Clough Yes, 100%. Um, but I think we all knew that at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. I think we hoped that perhaps Mark Davis and Clough could share that creative responsibility. But I think Davis has been needed in other areas of the pitch, which is unfortunate, really, because we all want him on the ball as much as possible. So I think it's turned out that, yes, we are relying on Clough. And is that fair at his age? I'd say, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's not like he's, he's not play- 17, is he? You know? It's not like he's playing in the Champions League. You know, he, he, if he's mm. going to develop in his career, he needs to be able to lead a below-average championship side. So, 
I think that we are, and I was hoping that perhaps Dobby would play some role in taking that responsibility off him, but it doesn't look like Lennon Fix is up to that job. Rob, where do you stand on the same debate? Um, I think if Mark Davis had stepped up this year, we wouldn't have had a problem. Um, he's been whenever I see him this year, he's been really disappointing. Um, well, Rob, I'll tell you what, I'll, game, stop, I'll, I'll, stop, I'll stop you straight away. What is, Mark, I mean. what is Mark Davis? Is yeah. he an attacker? Is he a deep liar? What is he? I think he's had to change this year, hasn't he? He's had to do a bit mm. more of a defensive role um, because there's no one else there to do it. I mean, practically he's been rubbish since he came back as well. Um, but it's, it's just without Clough, there's just no one to create anything. Um, so I think, yeah, your original question was, are we putting too much, too much pressure on Clough? We definitely are. And he's really struggled mm. this year because... He, We've uh, no choice, have we? We've no, no choice. He gave an interview, I think it might have been the same interview, he was talking about um, like when he comes back, um, what he needs to do differently to have more of an impact. And I think this year he's been more of a marked man by the teams. They recognise that he's our key player and they've kind of figured out that if they get close to him, put loads of pressure on him, then he's not got any space to operate in. So... I think that's been the main problem with Clough. I think he's been more of a marked man. We just need someone to take the pressure off him, which Clayton could do. Mm. Well, he could, but I mean, it would depend on your own um, definition of Clayton's best position. I know we spoke about this uh, two podcasts ago mm. when I was last on, but Johnny, you're a new fella. I mean, Clayton, where, where would you play him? Is he a striker? Is he a midfielder? Is he a support striker? Um, is, where, where would you play Clayton, Johnny? I'd play him in, in that supporting the supporting striker role. You've got the Zach Clough Clough role then. Yeah. So my ideal scenario with those players that we've discussed there is is Clayton or Clough in the support role and then the other one uh, in uh, number 10, which is arguably Mark Davis's best position. So there's there's three players there all jostling for those similar attacking midfield slash supporting striker roles. Because Mark Davis could do it as well, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, but I think you've got a player like like Gary Medine, um, and he, when he on the other occasion that he does win a header, he's heading it onto himself. And it reminds mm-hmm. me when we first signed Nicholas and Elka, and he couldn't score was because we were lumping the ball up to him. And it, once he wins it, he's got no one to head it onto, or even when he controls it, there's no one around him because they're not getting the support that they need. And I know I, I for one, and I know you as well, Chris, have been extra critical of Gary Medine. But shit, mate. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. It's not totally his fault, in my opinion. No, he I need, accept that. He needs, a, he needs a lift. He needs. He needs help from someone. He's because he is shit. So, so <laughs> he, he needs. A, he needs a better quality player to to be helping alongside him. You look at top teams. They've all got like, for example, let's take Chelsea. Who I went to watch the other week? They've got Diego Costa holding up the ball. He's six foot one, six foot two. He's a prick. And then, he is a prick, but he holds the ball up well because he's strong and he's a knobhead. And then they've got they've got Cesc Fabregas coming in at number ten, who, where he was playing that night. And if it's not him, it's Hazard. And they've got these quality players who who support the striker. And we, if you take that, players in our club, but they're just not playing in the right position. It fucking does my head. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is annoying. It's seriously annoying. I mean, Cluffy's are. He's our major asset, isn't he? I mean, let's let's not be daft about it. I mean, Mark Davis, as well as he might be potentially um, up there with the best of the best, he, he's not consistent in any way whatsoever. I mean, Good Johnson was 
what sixty five year old and he, he outshone <laughs> he outshone Mark Davis. Let's not be let's not daft about it. I mean, gosh, I mean we've we've not we've not got a lot going for us, have we? I mean, Vaz Tay signed for Charlton this week. Um, Liam, I'll come to you on that one. Do you think that we could have maybe looked at it? I mean, we've got Emmy Lesky and Gary Medina up front, mate. Vaz Tay, he's alive, so he's better. <laughs> well, this is it, isn't it? I think we could have looked at it and then dismissed it as an absolutely stupid fucking idea, to be honest. But it's, he's not Esky and Medina, is he? No, he's no, he's no and Medina, and I think that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think we should be wasting our wage money on a player that's had one good season in ten years. Ever. Mm. Um, and that was a strong West Ham team at, at this level. And yes, he did all right at Barnsley, but when I actually looked at that record, I thought. He did okay at Barnsley. So, no. That 100 years ago. Exactly, exactly. And I think, like anyone that we get, I think if they're any good, someone else would have had them anyway. Correct. Speaking of people that were half-decent, but some of the dickheads signed him, Liam Trotter um, is, is rounding about. Um, Rob, he scored on his Forest debut, um, which is nice. I mean, it's obviously a lot different to a Wanderers midfielder, the fact that you're actually doing, doing your own job. Um, but Trotter's Trotter, are you bothered that he's just succeeding at Nottingham, or do you think we should maybe call him back and drink, uh, and, uh, and bring him into our side? No. Oh, should we be Trotter? He's Trotter. I mean... No, Trotter's rubbish. They're welcome to him. He's, he's shy. He's shy. Let's not pretend yeah. he's not I mean, have you seen the goal he scored? I, I could have scored it, to be honest. And, um... Yes, so you could, and I've seen you play football. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't want Trotter back. They can have him in January, as far as I'm concerned. Deal. Uh, Johnny, um, have you seen anything other from Trotter that makes you think maybe that the regular uh, love pod is uh, perhaps a bit unfair on the lad, or is he really that bad? Um, no, he's shy, that's confirmed. <laughs> yeah, he is shy. I don't know, how he, him and Gary Medina, from the, they're cut from the same cloth, those two. They're, they're stealing a living somehow. Um, I mean, the, the only time I can remember seeing him this season is when he came on in the first game of the season against Derby, where... We're holding out for a nil-nil draw. He comes on in the last five minutes. His first touch, he almost gives the ball. He gives the ball away, and they almost score. So that sort of set the tone for me with Liam Trotter. But I went to, I was at Forest a few weeks ago uh, for work, and as part of this guy won a competition. Blah blah blah. You get around behind, it, don't you? You get around. I know. It, you? I know. And um, we go behind the scenes, and we got to watch him train. And uh, afterwards, this this competition, when he's chatting to a few of them, and Trotter comes over. Him, Matt Mills, Henry Lansbury. Um, and I was chatting to Liam Trotter because I said I'm a Bolton fan, and he, he said, "Oh, well, he said he's not got a bad word to say about the way the clubs run." But Lennon said he just he just doesn't want to play him. That's a simple fact of the matter. So he said he he had to look elsewhere for games, and and Friedman yeah, for, Friedman for some reason likes him. I don't know what he sees in him because he he doesn't seem like a big dressing room presence because he's quite a quiet lad. So fuck knows. Yeah, I'd be I'd be glad to see the back of him to be honest. Well, um, I was in the Trafford Centre on Thursday and I saw Matt Mills um, in Marx's <laughs> and um, I waited for his, his daughter and his wife to move away before calling him a shithouse, before diving behind the mannequins on the side. Um, <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought it was like, you shit, Mills, you shit. But anyway, that, that's, that's the, the route I took. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody is sad to see Trotter go. Um, I mean, that's been a very strange transfer that's really not worked out. Um, but, Liam, before we knock this on the head, Ida has been in the press this week about the fact that he's considering his options and the fact that he wants to move back from China. 
Would you have him back at Wanderers, Liam? 100%. I wouldn't even think about it. Yeah, I don't blame right, him at all. Right. I don't blame him at all for the decision that he's made. You know, I, if I was him, I would have gone out there and seen how it could have gone and earned a decent pay packet as well. That's what we all to work for. Uh, triple the salary was the the reported uh, reported numbers, mate. So yeah, it's an, it was an absolute no brainer for him, and just like that, it'd be a no brainer for us to to have him back if he wants to. You know, um, there's no guarantees of that, but for me, the door is very much open and. With a doorman outside, a friendly one like you get outside the Midlands, smiling at him, inviting him in. That's 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 <laughs> my view on this. Fair dues, mate. Fair dues. No arguments here from me. Right, cool. Well, right, we're coming up to fifty-eight and a half minutes now on the podcast, so we'll have a short break. Um, in fact, no, sack it. We'll talk about Kevin Davies. Sack it. We'll talk about Kevin Davies. Right. Um, brr, Rob, come to you first of all. Davo's testimonial, it should have been held um, in the last three or four months, but obviously not. Things are frosty between the two parties, clearly the fact that we, we want him, the fans want him to have his testimonial, the fact we're going to see likes of Campo, JJ, Akotcha, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the club obviously have fallen out with Davo. Um, he's tweeted LOV tonight saying that he wants the testimony to go ahead depending on the timing. As a fan, is there any arguments from you as to get that game ahead? Absolutely not. I think we've been talking about a testimonial for about five years, haven't we? Um, yeah, fuck that. It's, it's all over the place. Yeah, it's mental. They've not done it already. Um, and who was it that United, was it like United the other week had a... Oh, Wayne Rooney's having a testimonial, isn't he? Which is a bit of a joke, bullshit. to be honest. Absolute bullshit. Yeah. So the fact that Davo's not had one yet is a bit of a joke. Um, they need to just get it done. Maybe when the new guys come in, that's one of the first things they'll do. Like set it all up right, and then lay them, Southerner. Uh, give me your... Your uh, Bolton Wanderers Dream 11. Bolton oh, Wanderers Dream 11, Jesus. Liam, Liam, Johnny, think about it, because I'm coming to you next. Um, you see in goal. Um, right. right back. Uh, Cox. Neil Cox. Neil, no. Uh, I'm gonna go Best with... right back we ever had. Go on, carry on. Let's put Scott Green at right back. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, this is really tough on the spot. It's stressful, isn't it? Candle left back. <laughs> That's 100% nailed on that, by the way. Or Simon Charlton, I don't care which. Hierro and Campo at the back. Um, oh, you're not bad. Campo's in midfield, what are you talking about? Yeah, I know, but I want to get everyone else in midfield. So, Kocha, Franson. Um, That's 12 players. Stelios. Juve. 13. 14. And then Davo up front, obviously. And um, John McGinley. Fantastic. You redeem yourself there, Tien. Johnny, give me your 11. Camp, uh, Davo's testimonial. Go on. Uh, we'll go Yeskalainen in that. Uh, wrong. wrong. It's Brannigan, but carry on. <laughs> Gardner at left back. Wrong. Uh, carry on. Gunny Bergson. Rowdy Jady. Wrong. Uh, <laughs> right back, we'll go Anthony Barnes. Oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Uh, right midfield, Juve. Centre mid, Jarkaev, Campo, and then out wide, Stelios up front will go. Uh, in fact, no, fuck Stelios off, we'll have Andranik in there instead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, up top, we'll have Big Kev and Nicholas and Elka. Liam? I, I don't know. Um, me... You're Steve Banks in that, eh? Yeah, uh, Kevin Poole in that. <laughs> <laughs> What a rest. 
yeah, what, yeah, the warrior, Paul the warrier, can go right back. Uh, nah, so, come on, let's be serious. Let's be serious now. Come on, treat it so sensibly as it deserves. Come on. Right. Okay. Fine. Um, Yaskorn in the net. Matt Clark. Bernard <laughs> <laughs> Mendy right back. Uh, Bergson and Bruno centre backs. Cantwell the left back. Off your tits. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm fine. Uh, midfield three of Campo, Kocha and Nolan. And up front, we've got Anelka, uh, Jorkiev and fuck it, Henrik Pedersen. Kevin Davis doesn't play in his testimonial. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely mental. Well, clearly we've got Inet Keith Brannigan. Um, right back, we've got Gudney Bergson. Left back, we've got Brian Small. There's one for the uh, <laughs> Correct. Senate Ralph, we've got Jerry Taggart and Chris Fairclough. We've got three midfields. We've got the best left foot in the history of Bolton Wanderers, Scott Sellers. <laughs> he may have knocked somebody over in a drink driving accident, but he's still got a beautiful left foot. We've got Sasa Kercic, the first football player that ever made me cry when he left my club. And then we've also got Jamie Pollock in there as well. And then we've up front, we've got Anelka, Davo. Oh, shit, the bed. And we've got a fourth, uh, uh, a final striker, Michael Johansson, are the three of a top wide striker set. Michael Johansson. Michael Johansson. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah, who can forget? Well, Joey, he he signed a deal to go back to Denmark and he tried to rescind the contract. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember that. Nah, of course not. He's a shit fan, that's why. Well, <laughs> eight years old, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, being born when you are, wanker. Well, it's all sorted now. We've all decided that Dave's testimonial is going to be wicked as long as you go with my team tonight. Right, an hour and three minutes into the podcast, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back in a minute or two when we're going to go with guess who. I don't think we decided who's going to play it tonight, but we'll play it anyway. So stay where you are. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to uh, to Love Pod Thirty Six. That's right. For thirty six weeks, you've been listening to us talk shite about Wanderers. Um, it's your own fault. <laughs> Not going to blame it. Right. Guess who? Normally, we'd have Daniel Murphy who would come in here and explain how Guess Who works. But I'm going to treat you like the adults that you really are. Um, guess Who is a fact that we're going to give over some very very vague comments about Bolton Wanderers players from past. The lads. That's Rob Dan. Uh, Rob, Dan, what am I talking about? Rob, Liam and Johnny are going to give us their best guess as to who I'm going to be uh, getting at. Whoever wins, wins virtual points. Virtual points are worth nothing. Lads, are you all ready? Yeah. Yep. Ready. Oh, Liam, that sounded good. Right. I was born in 1965. Good clue that, isn't it? I began my career at Leeds United in 1983, the year of Chris's birth. A good year for football. Silence. Utter silence. Utter silence. I think, is it Scott Sellers? No, it's really not. (laughs) Rob, you're immediately immediately disqualified (laughs) for being a prick. That's a decent shout. It was, it was a good shout, I'll let you off. I made 200 appearances for Blackburn Rovers between 1986 and 1992. 
what a bad season to leave. A very yeah. poor season to leave. And I scored 35 goals along the way. Midfielder. Any guesses? Not yet. No. I joined Newcastle United in 1993, and under Kevin Keegan, I scored eight goals in two seasons. Oh, it's, is it um, Speedo? Nope. Oh. You're out and out, you baby prick. I moved to Bolton in 1995, where I spent four seasons making 111 appearances. Any guesses? No, this is hard. <laughs> you bet your black ass it's hard. Next clue. I left Wanderers in 1999 after one season at the Reebok, joining Huddersfield Town where I spent two seasons afterwards. Nobody? No. Okay. This is a subjective clue. It's not to do it's not factual. It's purely my opinion. I had the most beautiful left foot in the history of modern football. Is it not Scott Sellers? It's Scott Sellers, because it's fucking Scott Sellers. <laughs> <laughs> I get really confused. Because <laughs> it's fucking Scott Sellers. I got you the fucking start, Dickhead. This is so weird, because I did a guess who as well. And it was about Scott Sellers. Yes, it was. <laughs> Scott Sellers is a fucking top player. That's why he's a top player. <laughs> the greatest left foot in the modern football era. Fucking hell. Beautiful, beautiful game. Johnny, welcome to Love Pod, where all sorts of bullshit goes on. <laughs> right, well, we're <laughs> Basically, that means that I'm at the front with about 47 correct answers, but nobody else is anywhere near me. That's my first one. And we're going to go straight into the question of the week. The question of the week was whether you would happy, be happy with Phil Brown taking over from Lenny. Let's go for the answers. And lads, I'm going to come to you all at the end for your own personal point of view. Um, in the top one, our partner website from a Nottingham Forest point of view, no, is that helpful? Uh, well, no. Warren Barlow, that fellow that looks after the Bolton um, under-11s league or something, he's a bit funny, but he's all right. I hope Neil and Neil can do the job. If you can't, the club needs a manager that engages with the badge, the fans and the town. Liam, I'm going to come to you straight away. Do you think a connection to the club is essential for a manager to succeed? Um, not, not a historical one, no. I think... Bollocks, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's... It's typical of someone that who's been involved with the club for a period of time where you've got your connections. I think the view that someone who's been there before needs to do it, and nah. I think someone needs to engage with the things, and I do think, to a degree, Neil Lennon does do that. More grassroots than anything. He doesn't necessarily have to have the Bolton News taking pictures of him to do it. You know, there's I, I hear stories all the time of, of him getting really involved in the local community. So, yeah, I mean, what you... Your past, whether you've been involved, has literally no bearing on anything for me. Nothing whatsoever. Johnny, um, do you think a connection to the football club helps a manager? Or do you think it maybe hinders him? 
Um, I think it's it's very much uh, a, a sort of a story of how how things go. Like like I mentioned before, Alan Shearer at, at um, Newcastle. Now he's a he's a Newcastle legend through and through. Whether he he fucks up the club when he managed or not, um, but I think it, in some fans' eyes, it tarnishes the tarnishes the sort of yeah the legacy yeah the legacy and the connection really. So I think it helps if you do well, but once things start to go bad, fans will very quickly turn on you and forget all about the goals that you scored when you were a player. So I would much rather have a manager that hasn't got a connection to the club for that reason, because I would hate to have to turn on Phil Brown and forget about all the good he's done for the club. Well, you say good, he was a, a pretty shit right-back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rob, where, where do you stand on that debate? I don't think having a connection makes any difference, to be honest. I think... No. I think Ferguson I agree. Had no connection to Man United. Arsene Wenger had no connection to I think to I Arsenal. agree. Jose Mourinho has no connection to Chelsea when he went there. But um, I think actually having a connection can hinder it more than it helps. I think there's too much expectation. Right. Um I don't think it matters. Fair dues. Well, we'll crack on through the answers now. Andy Platt at Bolton Platt said, why not? Not much to choose between them, if you ask me. Um, Liam, as our resident Glasgow Celtic supporter, how do you determine between the, um, the level that Celtic play at and the championship? Do you think they're equal? Or do you think that the championship is maybe above the SPL? I think I... It's always a difficult question to answer this, but you have to remember as well that when Celtic are playing, they're playing against a team that's looking to beat Celtic as well. So it's not necessarily the same thing, but I would probably put the majority of the SPFL at the same level as probably the bottom half of the championship. I don't think it's as bad as people think it is, but it is bad compared to, obviously, every every other European league that has any sort of competition. So, um, you know, I mean, to to judge the job he did at Celtic to the job he's got now at the Bolton, it's just two complete, two worlds apart, really. And I can understand when people will make the obvious assumption that, you know, he's won a one-horse race at Celtic every year. I can understand why people made that argument, as much as nonsense that it is. So... Yeah, I mean, it's it's a similar level in terms of who he's playing every week, I think. Fair enough. Right, well, let's move through these answers now. We've got uh, Mark Weaver at Disco Weave saying, no, keep Lennon, and let's see what he can do with some money. Fair enough, he's not had that chance, as he goes, yeah. Uh, we've got Tom Bevington saying, I'd rather Brown with new owners and a £10 million budget in January. Neil Lennon with no money and the current owners. Now, that's an interesting one because... We, we don't, Johnny, come to you first. We don't know what Lennon can do with money at Wanderers. I mean, he had a, a, a few quid to spend at Celtic and he spent it well, didn't he, with the likes of Victor Wanyama, Gary Hooper, etc. Um, would you rather see Lennon have a bit of money to invest and see how he gets on than a new fella coming with a, a blank cheque? 100%, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, that, the points you've made there about what Lennon did at Celtic uh, speaks volumes for me. We don't, we don't need to see anybody else because... We don't know what Lennon can do. I think it'd be foolish for us to get rid of him on that basis and not let him sort of sign the players that he wants to and maybe even get rid of a bit more dead weight mm-hmm, because absolutely. obviously you're bringing in those new players. You can bin off the likes of Gary Medine, um, Feeney. And, you can, Feeney, and you can probably <laughs> probably put Heskey and Shola Amiobi in the same grave. Um, so I think, 
think yeah, I think it'd be foolish of us to to get rid of him unless we we absolutely cannot avoid it. Um, and I'm not sure what Phil Brown would do with a bit of money in his pocket either, because who who's he ever signed that that you can think of? Like when he was at Hull. Yeah, it's not it's not that, it's not equivalent, is it? The same sort of situation. No, so I think yeah, I'd rather us keep Lennon and he can uh, bring in whoever he likes. Fair enough. Well, moving for the answers, we've got Gary at Gary GSR saying, I'm not a BWFC supporter, um, which begs the question, why are you checking out our hashtag, mate? It's not for you. Um, but something needs to change. Phil Brown is a top football man. And then he says, I'm sure Neil Lennon is. Um, so that makes no sense. Absolutely no sense whatsoever. Um, a top football man. Well, that would maybe include like of Sherwood or, or even Richard Keyes. I don't know who I'd want in charge of my <laughs> club. Um, Warren, <laughs> listen, lads. Of all the people I've ever been blocked on Twitter, Richard Keyes is the one that I regret the most. He is the weirdest, the most strangest pe- person in the history of modern football. If you're not following Richard AJ Keyes, just get him followed now. I'm going to follow him right now. But it's just he's, banter, isn't it? Just banter. He's off, off his fucking tits. He's mental. <laughs> he's wicked. <laughs> Warren Barlow at BB. Oh, sorry, Liam, go on, cop. Right there. There is no one weirder than Rob Hall on there. <laughs> <laughs> They're all fucking bizarre with little high pitched voices. <laughs> he, he, called me, he called me Moist Bro and blocked me. <laughs> so, there we go. He blocked, he blocked me, Rob Hall, when I suggested that he might be interested in uh, Doc McStuffins on, uh, on CBBC or Dinner Junior. Either way, he's off his tits. Um, right, Warren Barlow said, like I said, wish Neil all the very best. But if it doesn't work out, I think Phil would be great for the club. So, yeah, it's the all-important, proper football man, Tim Sherwood style, he knows the club. Um, to finish off, we've got Pete Wanderer. Both good football men. Um, work that out, whatever you want to do. But we'll be wrong to get rid of Neil Lennon without giving him a fair investment to work with BWFC. Now, Rob, um, investment is one thing that Lennon's always had thrown against him, the fact that he's not had any money to play with. Um, how do you think a Neil Lennon ball would be um, different to the fact the one that we see today if he had a few quid to spend? Do you think we'd see maybe a more dynamic attack or a more, um, you know, more pace on the counter? Or, or what do you think a, a, an investment-led Neil Lennon one would be different to the one that we see today? I think it'd be more attacking. I think Signing a player like Wellington Silver kind of gives you an idea of what he wants Absolutely. to do. Absolutely. I think we see players like that. So wingers who are actually going to put a shift in and put decent delivery in and then have a decent striker who's going to put it away. Someone like Gary Hooper, for example, or Adam LaFondra. If they were given the chances that Medine's had this year, we'd, we'd be sitting pretty in mid-table or even higher. Um, so I think that's, that's how we'd be different. I think you can see these put the focus in the summer on improving the defence and to an extent that's worked um, and we're just lacking at the other end now so I think with a bit more money you'd be putting throw, throwing that into the attack Absolutely 100% agree Liam where do you stand on that same debate? Liam? Apologies um, it's <laughs> it's not even a debate for me not even not even a question you've I mean, let's say, let's say I was a bit more objective on the matter. I would look at it and go, why would you not give this manager 
coveted manager the opportunity before you get him somebody else. You Probably could... a highly paid manager too. Mm. Well, that's it. It's just, just, just give him a go. What, Who's why? the alternative, Liam? Who's the alternative? If it doesn't work out with Lennon, it's got to be somebody else. But somebody else isn't going to be half as qualified. Well, this is it. This is this is why not give why not give him a go? Even even for them people who need looking after that think that Neil Lennon isn't the man for us, needs yeah. to understand that why would you not give this coveted, highly qualified manager with silverware coming out of his ass the opportunity before you give it to someone like Phil Burr? It's it, it's an insane weight train of thought for me to well, to those that are going to take over from Lennon are only going to be a down, a downward curve, aren't they? Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I give me a manager at work that would realistically come to us with better pedigree than Neil Lennon. Ancelotti. <laughs> 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 uh, there we go. It has to be Ancelotti. <laughs> Ancelotti. There we go. Um, I, the only person I could probably see it, and we're going down the weirdo sort of way again, but it's Pearson. That's the only one, maybe, that I would go. He's after Fulham, isn't he, allegedly? Well, that'd be a good appointment for him. I, I mean, to be honest, I don't know why Blackman got rid of Guy, Gary Boyer, because I thought he was doing a great job there. Well, they appointed Lambert tonight. They have, and don't get me wrong, that's a pretty good appointment. I think everyone can, can say that, but for well, me... We thought that with Lennon, didn't we? Well, yeah, I mean... The, the, I don't know, it's all the chicken when he's going on whatever it does over there. I don't really care what they're doing. Me either. Well, I'll tell you what then, let's, let's knock this on the head and we'll have a little final comment from one apiece. I mean, Johnny, um, you're the debutant tonight. I mean, do you think the ones who could do better than Lennon? Or do you think that maybe we, we should really be more appreciative of where we are and, and what we've got? Uh, yeah, I think we should. We should um, be, be glad that we've got a manager that... ...that's... that's. Uh, that he wants to stay at a club like ours, and he's, he said he, he won't quit until the job's done. You look at the teams in and around us in the Championship, name me a manager in the bottom half of the Championship that's as good as Neil Lennon. In fact, name me a manager in the whole Championship that's better, that's, that's sort of... Well, you're talking, you're talking people like Neil Redfern or Steve Evans or, or you know various knobheads like that. I, I, I think we should maybe be grateful of what we've got. We should. We, we should. We don't... We, uh, we don't want to be like Nigel Pearson is realistically like I, I wrote the piece a few weeks ago on who could replace him and I'll be honest I just went through a list of all the managers that were out of work and said who we could potentially get and there's people like Tim Sherwood he wouldn't drop down uh, John Carver I think I'd kill myself um, but someone like Nigel Pearson is the only person that I, I would think that I'd be happy yeah, with he's a bit of a coop isn't he for that level yeah, everybody else. I mean, we're, we're so lucky to have him. And I, fuck knows what Phil Gartside said to Lennon to get him in, but I'm glad he's here and I hope we can uh, oh, we can stick with him. Bad news. Rob, before we knock it on the head, I mean, are you happy with Lennon or would you rather um, stick or twist? I'm happy with Lennon, yeah. I think he's got a really tough job on his hands. I don't think any manager would be able to come in and turn things around as they are. Um, so I'm happy with him. I think he's a good manager. Um He's been really unlucky with injuries. I mean, when you think back to when we hired him, I think we're all surprised that we were able to get him. Um, I think we're all happy that we got him. Um, and when he first came in, we he had us in really good form for what, like 10, 11 matches. So, yeah, I mean, I think he needs a bit more time. If we have money, give him money. Um, I don't see the point in bringing in Phil Brown and giving him money because what's he done for the last 
since he got Hull up. Nothing. So, yeah, I think Lennon's the man. Fair fox, mate. Fair fox. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll close this podcast tonight with my own uh, opinion. I, I agree with you all. I think you're right in that it's better the devil you know. And to, to quote Steps, one of their finest songs. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're up shit creek. I mean, it's best we stick what we know. Um, Brownie is Brownie. Obviously knows the club, um, the club as it was 10 years ago. That's not to say that it's going to guarantee success as he moves up. He's had success with Hull in the past, but that was four or five years ago since. It's when it's been he's been average with Hull at uh, Southend at best. It's no guarantee. It's no guarantee whatsoever. So Bolton are, are damned to do and damned to don't. I mean, as Liam said, I think we, we could really look at ourselves and think that Lennon, he is what he is. He's not perfect, but could we find anybody else that's better? Very unlikely. Um, so maybe we should maybe think about where we stand and where we sit in the footballing world before we start wondering about where we should be. Um, it's been a long time since Bolton Wanderers was up in the top echelon of football talent in this day and age. I mean, it'd be nice to think that we could maybe get there one day, but that's not where we are. And, and so people maybe need to be a bit more realistic about things and just look at things, take a consideration as to where we are in the footballing world and just pause Pause and think that it takes time to rebuild. Um, we're shit. We're shit and we've got shit players and we've got a shit team. We, but maybe we've got a good manager. You know, It's hard to discern it between the two, but it is what it is. Football is what it is. Let's knock that on the head for tonight. You know, It's been an interesting discussion. We've been talking for the best part of an hour and a half on Bolton Wonders. Who thought we would have done that? Um, I want to say thank you for everybody that's been to visit the LOV website in the last week or two and um, we've had some really really positive numbers um, as far as I go with justifying our existence the, the bosses in, in Seattle I think it is or Atlanta one of the two um, it's been lovely to think that we've got such a, a, an apt and, and raptic audience across the uh, the northwest of the UK we do really really appreciate I mean we're obviously just a bunch of fans who are doing our best for you all so we're not journalists you know we accuse us of being lazy all you want we are I mean, I'm not going to disguise the fact we are lazy. I mean, look at the state of Liam. He's not shaved for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, but we're Bolton Wanderers fans at the end of the day. We love writing about the club and we love bringing everything all to you. So this goes for myself, for Liam, for uh, for Rob, for Johnny, for anyone on the LOV staff. It's all just a labour of love and we do what we can um, to bring the best of Wanderers content to you. So, yeah. What are we on? 15th of November. We're, we're a month away from Crimbo. Fifth, six weeks or so. We're having an LOV Christmas do. And before the Fulham game, we're all going to meet in the fan zone, have a pint, do what your best you can. Um, but lads, would you like to let them all know where you can find each other on the internet to uh, to talk about footy? Liam, you first of all. Uh, normal places. Um, Twitter, at Liam underscore O'Mara. Nice and easy to find. And yeah, you know, don't, Tweet me unless it's something interesting because I'm, you know, <laughs> time's important to me. So, <laughs> most yeah. def, most def. Uh, Rob, where can people find you on the internet, mate? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Robbie Laz. Um, you're welcome to tweet me about anything you want. I'm more than happy to have a look. Most real. I'm at 90 Manning 83. Um, wrestling, Nicholas Cage, whatever you want. But Johnny, new boy, where can people find you? Yeah, Twitter, same as everybody else. Uh, at Johnny Eckersley. Come and join me, tweet me, we'll have an argument, let's fucking have it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, it's been nice to, nice to have you in the family, Johnny. Welcome to the group. Thank um, you very much. You're the uh, you're the Eric Rowan to my Bray Wyatt. So welcome to the group. Um, it's been very, very, very emotional. Right, so on that bombshell, we'll knock it on the head, say uh, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week on Love Pad 37, where we'll talk more shite about Bolton Wanderers. So have a good week. There's no uh, outgo music. Um, I could do the, print, the Fresh Prince rap if you wanted. No, um, yeah. no, no, nobody wants that. <laughs> so instead, I would say uh, go and listen to Mike and the Mechanics in the Living Years. Good night. See you later.